Hey, everybody. The Consumer Technology Association. I'm Tyler Suters. We are the owners, the producers of CES, the largest, the most influential tech event on the planet. Welcome to season three of CES Tech Talk. Uh, we are based here in Washington, D.C., so we are constantly meeting with members of Congress, talking about policy that affects the tech world, from the devices you buy to the innovations that we have access to. And today, a sit-down conversation with the one member of Congress who may understand technology and innovation better than anyone else, Congressman Will Hurd. If you don't know him, you need to. From San Antonio, down in Texas, the 23rd district, as a matter of fact, and it's a deep dive into the issues that are affecting not just our tech sector, but really security in general. This is a member of the House Select Committee on Intelligence and a former undercover CIA operative. This is serious business, the intersection of policy and technology. So to help me sort through all of this, my friend, my colleague, Tiffany Moore, who is Senior Vice President of Political and Industry Affairs here at CTA. Tiffany, good to have you back with us this season. Thanks so much. It's exciting. Happy season three, right? <laughs> Only we had a cake or something really cool. Maybe we'll next, a, next time. That or a snap filter? Yeah, yeah it's lower <laughs> calorie. Um, you know the Hill especially well, Tiffany. And I'd imagine it's it's a rarity to find someone who really understands tech policy, let alone someone who understands it as well as Congressman Hurd. Well, you know, he is a special and rising star on Capitol Hill. The value of having so many uh, new members of Congress is that they've experienced the technology, they've worked with it. And so it's not something, uh, kind of an add-on that they need to learn. And he had a distinguished career uh Previously, he was at the CIA, but also worked in cybersecurity. And so as you kind of get into the nuts and bolts of serious policy issues, tech policy issues on Capitol Hill, he has the experience to kind of look under the hood and understand exactly what policy and regulation can do to innovation. So Tiffany and I spent part of the morning in Congressman Hurd's office, and this is your old stomping grounds. You spent a fair amount of time as a staff member yes. on the House side mm -hmm. where Congressman Hurd works. What was it like for you being back in the, the ebb and flow? I mean, I know you're up there regularly, but here we are in a member of Congress's office, sights, the sounds, the bustle of activity. Well, there's a lot of excitement, and you'll be able to hear it comes through in the interview <laughs> of just kind of the hectic schedule that members of Congress have. And we were so delighted that we had so much time with Congressman Hurd, but he understands the importance of technology and innovation policy. And so we were really excited that we were on Capitol Hill and you can hear kind of, you know, the bustling of going from office to office and bells and everything that happens. I mean, members of Congress typically probably have about 15 to 20 meetings a day. And so uh, it is oftentimes uh, hectic, but it's also very exciting. All right, you're coming along with us on a special edition of CES Tech Talk to Capitol Hill and the Halls of Congress. Well, Congressman, thanks again for taking time with us during a, what is always a busy time for you, I'm sure. For for y'all, anytime, anytime. <laughs> I always make, it, make time for my friends at CTA and also to talk about Upcoming CES is always a, a good opportunity. Well, let's set stage a little bit because your peers here in Congress um, have not been painted especially well <laughs> in terms of recent tech hearings, right? Some of the high profile hearings. 
You're being very diplomatic. I'm <laughs> trying my best, Congressman. Um, you are far and away an exceptional. You understand the sector exceptionally well, the technology too. How well would you say your peers do understand technology or how big of a hurdle is it for them to overcome? Well, the, the difference is, do my colleagues use the technology or not, right? You know, and so, so if you're using the technology, you have a, a different understanding of it. Um, I would, I would say that my colleagues are starting to realize that they need to be focusing on technology, not only the, the problems with it, but also the opportunities. And, and I, I'll start with cybersecurity in, in defending digital infrastructure. Many of my colleagues understand that that there needs to be a focus on that, that almost every American has been touched by some kind of, of breach. They don't necessarily always know how do you de better defend our, our digital infrastructure, mm -hmm. um, but they recognize it's a problem. And, and I've been quite positively surprised by the number of colleagues that have come to me and said, hey, can you help explain this issue or walk through um, some of the, the potential solutions to this? So I, I think that's good. I, I think now... Um, right now, a lot of the focus up here in Congress is on social media specifically and privacy around social media. And, you know, do you break up tech companies or not? And, and here's what, what I would say. I'm glad we're having this debate with American companies. Right? Imagine if we were having this debate with Chinese companies. And I always say, um, you know, China is not developing facial recognition to make it easier to buy groceries in the grocery store, right? They're using it in order to uh, to continue uh, to conduct human rights abuses amongst their people. And so we want to make sure that these uh, American companies are the ones that are leading and dominant in these in, in various sectors. I appreciate your focus on kind of the opportunities and not just the challenges that that tech brings, particularly emerging tech, and the focus on kind of the excitement around things like AI. And you've often said that, you know, data is the, you know, coin of the realm and the importance of data. Can you kind of speak to how how important data is and how it can contribute to, you know, some of the solutions that that, that are facing, you know, and issues that are facing the country? So if you're older than me, I'm 41, um, and you say AI, people think HAL from Space Odyssey <laughs> 2001, you know, the creepy sounding computer in space. And if you're younger than me, you think Roomba, right? You know, the, the machine. I'm sure that, that debut, that CES, some, you know, probably a number of years ago. Uh, iRobot is a wonderful member of that. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. they are. <laughs> um, and, but you have a lot of folks that are reading all of these prognostications that 25% of workers are going to be impacted by artificial intelligence because they're in jobs that 70% of their work can be done through automation, right? Um, people are worried about the future because how is that going to impact their job? And, and so, so, so we have to take that into account when we look at what the opportunities are. I would also say that when you look at some of the industries or the job positions that could potentially be impacted by automation. You also have a, a need for people in that space. Drivers. Mm -hmm. right, we talk about driverless cars. And how is that going to impact people that are long-haul truck drivers and things like that? Well, we don't have enough of those people. Exactly. And so this is going to be able to help meet a need of making sure we're getting goods and services from point A to point B. And a lot of times I think artificial intelligence should be thought of, of how is it going to assist humans, not necessarily how is it going to be replacing humans, but we need to make sure 
that we're training current workforce, that we're educating our kids to be prepared um, for these for these jobs. But but the, the opportunity with with data, all of these things work if you have data. And one of the things the government should be doing is making sure we're giving as much information available to the public as possible so that data can be used for, to train algorithms, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why one of the first bills I was part of when I first got to, to Congress was the Data Act. And it was basically saying, okay, information in the federal government needs to be in machine-readable format. And it's like, this is 2015. We're not already doing that, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, so how do you make some of that stuff available? Uh, NOAA, the National Oceanographic and... I don't forget what the second atmosphere. O. Yeah, there's atmosphere. <laughs> you know, uh, get you know the the weather data that the federal government has access to, getting that out, you know, to folks to have access, and, and they they are doing that now is is a perfect example. And when you look at what's happening in many states, when states have provided, you know, whether it's it's information on, you know, uh, contracts, when that gets made public and people are able to look at it, you're able to identify identify ways fraud and abuse. Um, so, so the more data that's available, the better our algorithms are going to be, the better the algorithms we have, uh, the better decisions we're going to be able to make, and we're going to be able, as a government, provide better digital-facing services um, to, to constituents. So that's how all of these things are, are ultimately connected. But we got to protect that data. And what is PII now, right? You know, there's many definitions in... That's why talking about what kind of information should be protected and who owns it. Mm-hmm. And I'm of the opinion, I own it. I own my data. You own your data, right? And you should be able to decide how that data is used. And we need to have a conversation around that, especially in light of, of the Europeans passing uh, GDPR, um, the Global Data Privacy. For, uh, data Protection which, yeah, Regulation. The, the Data Protection Act that the EU passed, right, which is now – why every time you go to a website, you realize how many websites have cookies on it. Um, exactly. GDPR. And our friends in California as well who've passed a uh, privacy law. So, you know, we we look forward to working with you on that and supporting the federal privacy law. I think one of the things that makes you unique is your ability to find kind of solutions like mm-hmm. out of a forest of problems. <laughs> but I know one of the things, particularly when we think of our member companies and their ability uh, to kind of be used, you know, ubiquitously. Ride sharing is something that's incredibly important. And recognizing, you know, you took the lead in recognizing that federal employees weren't able to use a ride sharing uh, services because of some regulation or, or kind of uh, lack of understanding. So can you speak a little bit about sure. that? I know, you know, federal employees everywhere. Thank you. It's crazy to me that a federal employee, when they went TDY, so they are, if they're, if they're, if their home where they work is in Washington, DC, and let's say they had to go to San Antonio, Texas for work, <clears throat> you stay at a hotel and you get reimbursed for that hotel. But if you used Airbnb, or if you used Uber or Lyft to get from your, your, your work meetings, you couldn't get reimbursed for that. And that's just absolutely nuts to me. And so it literally required an act of Congress in order to get federal employees to get reimbursed to using um, those kind of ride sharing, you know, and, and home sharing, those, those types of apps. So I, this is, this is the kind of stuff that we should be doing. Um, to make sure that we're leveraging all the, the technology available to us. And oh, and by the way, guess what was happening? 
they were saving the federal government money exactly by using some of the some of those applications and and they weren't allowed to, to use it which is which is wild but that but that's where you can find these uh, simple piece of legislation that have overwhelmingly uh, bipartisan support um, you know the old saying is how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time and that's what we have to do on on many of these on on these issues now, for many of uh, our listeners, they're probably watching the news and they're seeing gridlock in Washington and mm. kind of, you know, the parties fighting with each other, particularly in Congress. And as you kind of, you know, the road to the next election, which everyone is looking to, but kind of if you look at the current Congress and kind of what's on your to-do list, what do you think can actually get done in a bipartisan way? What, mm. what areas do you think that there's some real opportunity Sure. And, and, and I would say in the last Congress, the previous two years, 990 bills got signed into law, or excuse me, 990 bills passed the House of Representatives. All but 15 of those were bipartisan. Most people don't, don't know that number. I don't know what the stat is now, um, but, but ultimately there are more things that get done than most people highlight. And there's two areas where there is there is bipartisan agreement, the threat China is to our national security, to our economy, and then the problem of cybersecurity, right? And 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 cybersecurity is also the threat of cybersecurity is also being driven by you know Chinese state-sponsored hackers stealing internet intellectual property, uh, doing technology transfer by coming in and buying companies. And and so those are two areas that are that there is there is agreement on the threat. I wish I could say right now that we could pass a national breach standard, which is which is something that needs to happen. I think you can't talk about privacy unless you talk about a breach standard. Um, I think you can have a, a, a similar conversations around that. Um, what is we said earlier? What is PII and how is it protected? Whether it's medical or um, financial services. These are some of the big questions that we have to grapple with. But I don't know. I ha I, I don't see the legislation um, moving through on those types of on those types of issues. So um, it is a a very um, it's a, it's an uber partisan time right now, and it's going to require some people that are focused on getting things done to break through some of this gridlock. Exactly. Well, one of the things you mentioned is China. Yeah. And um, we appreciate kind of your, you know, the ability to have nuance and, and understanding that there are that there are some threats, particularly with China. But, you know, our strategy may not be the best, particularly when it comes to tariffs. Sure. And we found uh, our industry, particularly the tech industry, is bearing the brunt of having to pay tariffs on imports. Uh, we just heard the president's announcement not too long ago that his list for, I think, 80% uh, of those items will be consumer uh, mm -hmm. consumer products. And a lot of the products that Americans enjoy and, our and that they have the ability to purchase um, at a decent pri price point, but that's threatened under kind of this new set of tariffs. And so Americans have already been experiencing uh, tariffs for the last year, 18 months, but it's going to get worse. And appreciate kind of, you know, your nuanced view that tariffs are not necessarily the best strategy, particularly uh, how they, in the way that hurt consumers. There is no question China is a threat to our economy and they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. 
we talked earlier, they are hacking into our systems and stealing intellectual property. They are attempting to buy U.S. companies and, and, and take them over so that they can turn it into a Chinese company. Um, they are behind research in many of our U.S. Um, um, US universities that they will then take and adopt. They are directing um, Chinese employees and, and, and Chinese students that are going to our schools and then working in U.S. companies to provide access to those companies. China, they're dumping steel on the international market. They're, they are a problem and, and, and we need to deal with it. But tariffs is a tax on the consumer, right? And so, so ultimately the people who get impacted the most are American consumers that are trying to buy these, these, these products. And it's, and it's technologies being impacted, but also agriculture. So you're going to see the cost of going and grocery shopping. Is, is going to be increased. So a tit-for-tat tariff war is not the way to solve the problem of Chinese um, IP theft and, 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 and um, cyber breaches. The way you solve the problem is if a American company can't do it in China, then a Chinese company can't do it in America, period. That's, that's true reciprocity. If an American company can't invest in an artificial intelligence company in China, then the Chinese can't invest in the United States, period. So one of the most exciting things uh, is fifth-generation wireless. And kind of Americans have seen how their phones have gone to 3G, 4G, and soon it will be 5G. And what we're most excited about in the tech industry is the tech that's going to ride on those networks mm -hmm. and all of the great services that Americans will be able to um to enjoy. But there are some impediments. And I know that in Congress, uh, you all are working to kind of remove those barriers to 5G deployment so that Americans will be able to access these great services. So f you can't talk about 5G without talking about Huawei, right? And again, I know we've been focusing a lot on China, but but we really are. This is, this is about um, who is going to be the leader in the future economy, right? Mm -hmm. Who is going to be a leader in driving uh, these new jobs and new industries, and and you know the reason that China is so focused on mastering 5G and using Huawei to undercut everybody else is they want to own the application stack on top of 5G. They want all the companies that are going to be doing you know uh, you know broad artificial intelligence um, to be a Chinese company. They want every entity that. You know, that self-driving networks to be Chinese companies. And the way you get to that endpoint is you got to have the, the 5G network. There are only three other companies other than Huawei that provides the antennas and the edge um, 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 products you need for 5G to work. And that's Ericsson, um, Samsung, and Nokia. And we need to make sure that U.S. companies... <clears throat> We, we need to make sure that U.S. US cities have the density of so that 5G can prosper, right? So mm -hmm. the build-out of 5G networks is important. I know, you know, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile is focused on that in places like Chicago, Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, Los Angeles. And so we need to make sure those cities have more 5G capacity than – Seoul, South Korea, then Beijing, then, then Shanghai, because that is the test bed where all these other companies are going to come and, and operate. So, so because of the way 5G works, 
you need more antennas than you do for, for any of the other G's. And so a lot of local municipalities are, it, it takes a long time to get that approval mm -hmm. to put that antenna on top of the existing phone, you know, pole that, that, you know, that has the power lines, right? And so there are some, there are some local problems to this. I want to also figure out how can we incentivize the deployment and development of five, I call it 5G plus, right? Cause mm -hmm. let's think about the next, you know, the, the next type of technology so that it's us companies and our allies that are being competitive so that we can compete with Huawei. You can't go to Germany and say, Hey, guess what? The, the Chinese have a backdoor into, into your Huawei routers mm -hmm. and think that they're going to be like, okay, uh, fine. We're going to go with something else because to them it's cheaper to go with Huawei. Right. And so until you're able to compete on price and deployment, then, you know, that's how you win this game is let's out innovate. Um, let's out, let's outwork. And, and I will always, um, you know, take the side of uh, American and, and Western democratic loving countries, um, focus on entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship, um, and creativity. And so, so it, it's exciting. And this is different because when we went from 3G to 4G, everybody thought that Europe and Asia was going to be the center point for, for 4G. We also, nobody had thought of, you know, how can 4G be used? Nobody thought of the iPhone, right? Which mm -hmm. really uh, brought in the revolution of 4G. Now with 5G, we know what the kind of applications we're going to be able to run. And that's what's exciting. We just need to make sure that we have the infrastructure in place to take advantage of that opportunity. One more question. Congressman, you have joined us at CES uh, more than once. And uh, can you speak to this, the importance and the excitement there? I think it's hard to capture uh, unless you actually see it. And as a policymaker, we make sure that we bring you bring you all to CES so you can see what innovation is out there. When you actually see these things that to most of us think are like the future, right? You know, it's folks of my generation always talk about the Jetsons. Right? It's like this stuff is actually happening. And it's not only, you know, the things that I was blown away the times I've been is like the exoskeleton stuff that is, that is out there is pretty amazing. Um, understanding how we're going to actually achieve um, a driverless vehicle, you know, environment is fantastic. But then you have stuff like, you know, everybody laughs. My favorite thing from last was the smart closet. You know, <laughs> it's you, you have you have stuff like that. But but seeing but seeing all these amazing companies that are on the cutting edge of of creativity, and this is where, if more people saw that, you would focus on the opportunity of technology not the concern that it's going to, that we're going to have robots taking over the world, right? And so that's what I think is, is great about um, CES is you see what the real opportunity is. Congressman, the passion and the deep understanding of these issues certainly show through. Thanks so much for your time and expertise Thank you. today. Always a pleasure to be chatting with y'all. Just an awesome conversation, especially when you walk away from an interview knowing more than when you <laughs> sat down. Um, Tiffany, you and the congressman talked at length about the value of going to CES. Uh, you spent a lot of time with policymakers there on the ground at, in Las Vegas at CES shows past. What did they get out of it? What's the enriching part for them? Because when you hear them talk about it, there's so much enthusiasm. 
Well, yes, Tyler, we're very excited. Each year we host the Leaders in Technology program at CES, and it's an opportunity opportunity for public policy officials to come to CES and understand the value, the excitement, the promise of innovation. And so as members of Congress or state legislatures uh, start grappling with some of the issues facing the tech community, they have a firsthand knowledge of what those companies are trying to achieve, the excitement around it. And so as they're kind of looking at policy, they see it through that lens, and that's invaluable uh, for us, uh, particularly on the government affairs team at CTA. And because of that kind of engagement, we've been able to see uh, successful uh policy that actually increases innovation and members of Congress having an understanding as to kind of the effects, while well-intended, that some of the the policies can have. And uh, we were fortunate each year CTA honors members of Congress because of their kind of commitment to innovation policy. Mm -hmm. And Congressman Hurd was our 2017 Digital Patriot. And so it's always great to kind of see those opportunities flourish for engagement with members of Congress and have it translate into good good tech policy. Right. So you have Digital Patriots that are honored every year by CTA, uh, lawmakers, policymakers, influencers who really understand the tech world. What's it like for those other group of other members of Congress, Tiffany, when you're with them at CES, I mean, what, what is it that catches their attention, especially those folks who might not know tech policy quite so well? I think the most important thing that captures them is the excitement around technology and the hopefulness uh, around what technology can do. And so if that's the only thing they leave with, it's valuable for us as we go to Washington and state capitals to talk about innovation, to talk about what our companies are doing. So if anything, um, it's valuable in kind of reassuring um, the the talent and the innovation in the U.S., Tiffany, great conversation. You got to promise me you're going to come back this season. Right? Of course, not, I can't wait. You're not one and done. No, not, this is actually this is my second one. We're going to go for number three. <laughs> Love it, Tiffany. Thanks for your time today. And hey, all of you joining us, thanks so much. And once again, welcome to season three of CES Tech Talk. We want you to catch every single episode. So look, go to our website ces.tech, ces.tech. And be sure to download our podcasts or get on the list, get these regular updates every time we drop a new one. You'll have it in your hands, on your phone, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Now, from the halls of Congress, next week, we are taking you to the halls of Shanghai, China for CES Asia 2019. It is right around the corner. We'll take a deep dive into the game-changing innovations, many of which you see at CES but also with a bit of a twist here on how they are shaping and changing the very influential Asian consumer technology market. That's all coming up on our next edition of CES Tech Talk. For all of us here, and that includes not just Tiffany and me, but our outstanding executive producer, Tina Anthony, and our superstar studio engineer, John Lindsay. We're glad you're with us. Let's talk tech again soon.